Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Happy Lent. And uh, it is just good to be to be with you during this time of the year. Uh, and over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking into the life of Jesus. We're going to be focusing on on our Savior, His power. The series that we're going through is called The Power of the Gospel. Leading up until that week. We know it's coming. We also know how it ends. And so over the next few weeks, we're just going to be looking at different aspects of His ministry leading up to that moment. So let me ask here, before we get started, I just want to ask a quick question. So how do you guys feel about authority? How do you feel about authority? I already saw some people going like, yeah, I like that. You know, some of us do well under it. Yeah, authority, we need it to survive, right? As, you know, some of us respect it. Some of us, in some cases, even thrive under authority. We feel safe under it. We start to move and progress toward under it. Others, however, when they think of authority, they like to push it, right? They like to challenge it, rebuke it, even reject it maybe. They like to kind of just mess with you a little bit, right? And they just want to see that. Some even have aspirations to obtain it, authority. They desire it. If I can only get this, then I could be the guy right? I can make the change. And those, some even who obtain it and possess it and have it, every now and then maybe even likes to flaunt it a little bit. Just a little bit, right? Maybe a sprinkle, and some maybe a lot, but it's a little bit. Authority comes into our lives one of two ways. All of us. Authority comes in our lives one of two ways. It is either formal or informal authority. Formal authority is position and title. It's rank. It's, for an example, a boss and an employee relationship. That is a formal type of authority. I say, boss, do this, an employee needs to do that. Whereas informal is an earned authority. This isn't just based on the position or the title or the rank that you hold, but this authority is given and it is earned. We almost give it for free to the person because, well, we actually genuinely want to follow you. We see something in you. There is a vision or there is some type of, of something that says, yeah, I can get behind that. This is an informal. So we follow not because we have to follow, but we want to follow. You know, I, I think of the story of Jim White. Jim White. Now, you may not know that name, but the people of McFarland, California, and they know it very well. White was a teacher in the McFarland School District in the 1980s. Now, one day, he decided to start a cross-country team for the school district. Well, the problem was that White was an outsider. 
He wasn't from the area. And he was the minority, being that McFarland was almost completely Latino. And Coach White was, well, white. The school was very poor, very poor. And the graduation rate was low due to the boys not just leaving school of their choosing, but leaving school so that they could go work in the fields with their dads. Sports was a luxury for all of these students. Majority of his students couldn't even relate to Coach White. They couldn't relate to him because honestly, Coach White really couldn't relate to them either. It was a very formal relationship. He had absolutely no idea the hard work that these boys would do in the fields before and after class every single day. They would miss practices because their parents just didn't see running as something to invest their time in. It did not pay the bills. So they didn't really push their kids or even allow their children to do it. White held high expectations for the team, like any good coach would, but the team over and over continued to see White as an outsider who just doesn't get it. You don't get our life. You don't understand what we have to do on a day-to-day just to survive. And it wasn't until Coach White stopped trying to make the team like him that he started to earn the trust in the team and their parents. Instead of getting onto the team for being late to practice, which he would do often, being late to practice because they were out in the fields all day working with their dads, he, Coach White, would wake up super early on practice days and he would go and actually help the boys pick the fields so that he could make, that they can all make practice on time. He started going to their houses to have dinner with the families to show that he has their best interest, their son's best interest in mind. I swear to you, it is not for my glory, but to make your children have a better opportunity. And because of his love and actions, he and his students that year in 1987 formed a cross-country team for McFarland, California. And they started to win. And in that year, they went to state. And then they took the 1987 state championship. First time contenders in the sport. But they didn't just take it once. They took it nine times. The McFarland cross country team went to the state championship for 24 consecutive years after never having won. You see, there was a transfer of authority that took place between these people, this team, these parents. It took place within their heart once the parents realized that I can trust this person that this person does have my kid's best interest at heart, that maybe, just maybe, we'll let them leave a little early from the fields and go and make practice. And the students allow Coach White's authority over them. They accepted it because of his heart. Not his position, not his title or where he held in the school, 
And because of this transfer of authority between these, these people, they became one of the best teams in the sport. Now this brings me to my scripture today, here in Matthew chapter 8, where we see a centurion approaching Jesus in a crisis. Jesus had just entered into the city of Capernaum when a centurion, a commander in the Roman army, he came and saw Jesus entering in. Uh-oh. Jesus just got there. He just walked into the city. And a Roman centurion is waiting for him at the city gates. This can't be good. Usually we like to try to avoid the Romans for at least a few days so we can get some work done. And then we got to move on somewhere else. But right off the bat, here he is. I mean, Jesus is just barely getting, just wiping the dust off his feet. But to everyone's surprise, the Roman doesn't have a look of authority on his face. He has a look of concern, urgency. And he approaches Jesus as, and I'm sure Jesus has his disciples around him, and I'm sure the Roman centurion has his entourage around him. And here they are meeting at the city, and this, this Roman centurion is coming over with this, this grief, this urgency on his face, and he says, Lord, he says, Lord, my servant, my servant lies at home paralyzed, and he is in terrible suffering. Well, Jesus doesn't waste any time. He quickly replies back, well, take me to him. I'll heal him. I will heal your servant. But I want you to pay attention to the response of the centurion. When he, here is, here, very simple is, I have a servant who is paralyzed. Can, can you please heal him? I will do it. I'll be glad. Now, normally, the rest of us would be like, right this way, sir. I will show you to the house. Here is my servant. Can you please do what it is that you do? But here he is. But that's not what the Roman did. The Roman actually said a, his, his response was something Jesus actually hasn't heard before. No one has told this to Jesus up to this point. When Jesus is offering healing, you just do it. Let him do it. But the Roman says that, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Just say the word where you are right now, Lord. And I already know he'll be healed. I already know he'll be healed. I already know. I mean, he's telling Jesus, I'm not worthy. I'm a Roman centurion. I am a commander in the Roman army. I am, I am not worthy to have you in my house. But I believe so much in you right now, Jesus, that you can do the healing from here without ever having to leave this spot. That you will never have to be in the same room as my servant. I know you can do it, Lord. And then the centurion kind of continues this little conversation with Jesus. He says, Jesus, listen, listen. I am a man of authority. This is what he tells him. I'm a man of authority with soldiers under me. I tell them, go and they go. I tell them to come here, and guess what? They come here. And when I say do this and do that, oh, they better do this or do that. I am a commander in the Roman army. I've earned this title, this rank, 
this position. He's telling Jesus that he himself is a man of authority. That, that who can most likely get whatever he wants when he wants it. He probably walks the streets and people tend to his every need as he's walking around Capernaum with his chest puffed out, as people are bowing their heads, as a centurion commander is walking around. His authority to the people of Capernaum is formal. It is by position and title, and I'm happy it is, he's probably thinking. They respond to him because they are afraid of him. If they don't, then there will be consequences. Now, you might be thinking that right now the Roman is approaching Jesus trying to make a deal with him. Heal my servant, and then you can have anything. Name your price, Jesus. I have authority around this part. Heal my servant, and just name your price. However, that isn't what we see from the centurion. For some reason, that's not what he does. He says, here is, we see a man right now in this moment who clearly recognizes who he is in the presence of. He approached Jesus at the city gate already knowing who he is in the presence of. The word has traveled. He knew that this man was not like the other Jewish rabbis that were walking around in Capernaum doing this or that. He also knew that this man was not like the other disciples or teachers or, or, or even healers that have come through. And then I think the Roman finally figured out that this man had authority that not even Caesar himself had. What we're witnessing in this piece of scripture in Matthew 8 is a transfer of authority in his heart. He is still remaining authority in person to Caesar because he is a commander in his army. But right there in that moment, we see a spiritual authority being handed over to Jesus. That yes, I still answer to Rome or to Caesar because they are my authority. But right now I'm in your hands, Jesus, because you are the authority of my heart. I am giving this over to you right now. And what we're witnessing is a Roman centurion coming and kneeling before Jesus in his heart and saying, I can't fix this. Oh, Lord, I know what you are capable of. I have heard what you can do. My house is filled with sinners. I am a sinner. I'm not worthy to have you in my home, Lord. I know you can heal them from here from this very location. So what is Jesus' response to the centurion, right? We've heard a lot from him. What is his response to Jesus right now? After all, this person represents the oppression of Rome. They are taking our money. They're regulating our lives. They have corrupted our temples and our religious leaders. Yeah, Jesus, what are you going to do for this Roman centurion, this, this evil man who represents everything that is against the Lord? What are you going to do, Jesus, for this man? What well, verse 10 tells us exactly what Jesus' reaction was. The scripture says that Jesus was astonished astonished. He was taken back by it. Is this a Roman? Is this a centurion? Come here. 
Come here. Jesus looks the centurion in right in his eye. And he says, I tell you the truth. I have not found anyone in Israel with faith like yours. Anyone. Even these guys. Don't like you have. You see, we, you and I, we're astonished at the fact that Jesus can walk on water, that he can heal the sick, that he makes the lame walk, that he can literally stop storms. But do you know what astonishes Jesus? Our faith astonishes Jesus because true faith is astonishing. And Jesus tells the centurion right there before all of them, he says, go, go. Your servant will be healed just as you believed it would be. Just as you believed it would be. Faith is healing. Your faith can heal another person. The centurion didn't go to Jesus so that he could be healed. He went to Jesus so that his servant could be healed. Your faith can heal. It can heal physical sicknesses. It can heal spiritual sicknesses. It can even heal cultural sicknesses. Our faith can heal. Your faith can be astonishing. As we really start this Lent season, as we begin over the next several weeks and looking at in the life of Jesus, I really think it's very good for us to start off by evaluating these two things, authority and faith. These two things, I think many of us, including myself, can relate to the Roman centurion. I think we relate in him so many times that many of us live under our own authority. Some of us may even have positional authority based on our rank, title, and position. We are holding on to that authority because, well, oftentimes it may be the only thing we can control or have access to. But it wasn't until, it wasn't until the Roman centurion gave away his authority to Jesus in order for him to experience the wonders of Jesus. It was his faith, not his skill, not his power, not his authority, but his faith that healed his servant. Friends, there are right now people in your life that need healing. I know there are. There are people in your lives right now that need healing. You may be one of them. There are people, men and women of faith who are lifting your name up to the Lord, bringing you before him. Let me tell you that it will not be by your skill. It will not be by your power and it will not be by your authority that will heal you, but by your faith. There are people in your life right now that do not know Jesus. They don't know him. They've either rejected him or maybe in the case of where our friends are going in Japan, they don't know about him yet. But I bet you there's some that don't know about him in this country as well. 
that there are those who don't know the name of Jesus. Perhaps on your mind right now, there are friends, families, or coworkers. Your heart burdens for them. Good, because someone's heart needs to. Needs to burden for the people who don't know the saving grace and redemption of Jesus Christ. Your faith can open the eyes of the lost. Not because when they open their eyes, they're going to see you. No. No. Otherwise, they'd be saved already. But because when they open their eyes, your faith, they will see Jesus. And they will see Jesus in the same way that the Roman centurion did that day in Capernaum. In awe. Lord, I'm not worthy to have you in my house. I'm not worthy to have you in my house. I'm a sinner. But I know that you have the power to do it from right here. You have the power to do it from this place. Your faith will show Jesus. The people of Israel learned a lesson from this Roman centurion. And honestly, so can we. So can we. Has your heart had a full surrendering to the authority of Jesus? Have you done that? Because before we can really approach the cross, approach the throne, approach Jesus, we must first, in our hearts, have a surrendering of authority to take place. Understanding that on this earth, I may have authority that I need to answer to. But in my heart, I give that to Jesus. That's who I respond to. That's who I, I want to give to is him. Have you given everything over to him? And I'm going to ask you this question. Who is on your heart this morning? Who is on your heart this morning? There's a name that's popped up. Maybe perhaps there's a person right now on your heart that is sick and is in need of healing. Have faith. Go before the Lord. Who is lost and is in need of a savior? Perhaps there's a name that's popped up. Here's what I like to do, just for a few moments. is a call to action. A call to action. That in your life, in this moment, if you have someone that needs healing, physical healing, spiritual healing, cultural healing, that you don't waste another moment. But go before the Lord in prayer. You could do it at these altars. You could do it in your seat on your knee. It does not matter. But we're going to have a moment, just a time, where Josh is going to play, and we're going to go before the Lord in prayer. I want you to take this name to him. And I can tell you right now that there are people in your life that don't know Jesus. Take that name to him. Take it to him. I have people in my life that don't know Jesus. Take their names before the throne. Spend a few moments in prayer as Josh plays.
Lord, we just want to come before you now and lift up the names of those who need healing. We have a list of names and prayer requests. And, and God, the honest truth is, is that our bodies, they tend to, to get sick, to get, to get old, to, get, to break down. And that, Lord, the one thing that cannot change is our spirit, is our heart. May we have strength in that, strong faith, Lord, in you. But I pray now that if it be your will, that those who are experiencing illness within their body, those dealing with COVID-19, those dealing with all of the other cancers and all the various things that, that, that attack our bodies, Lord, may it not attack our mind and our, and our hearts and our souls and our spirits, but Lord, if it be your will, heal them. You're hearing the names of the people, Lord, on their minds now, both in this room and online. Lord, I just as, just as your people, as your church, Lord, we lift those names up to you because we know you're listening. We know you can hear us. This is, our, this is our heart, Lord. This is our concern. Can you please, Lord, hear our voice, hear our cry. And God, dare I even say, those on our lips, the names of those that don't know you. Can you use us to change that? If you can, then use us, Lord. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so my charge to you today as we close is are you practicing astonishing faith? I want to make a note because I am a believer in the scripture and the word of God. And I want to make sure I'm very clear when I say this. Today, I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. I'm not preaching that if someone in your family is not healed, it's because you have done something of evil or sin or you didn't do this or that. That is not what I'm saying. And I also have to say this. I am not Jesus Christ. I do not have the power or the authority to heal. But I know. I know who can. I'll preach about him. I'll preach about that guy. I cannot do it. But I would love to pray with you and journey with you in that process. But ultimately, it is God's decision. It is his will. And I know it's the toughest thing that we have to pray when we honestly say, your will be done. That perhaps is one of the strongest tests of our faith of any. Your will be done, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.